we would have to go build from scratch, if you will, and get approvals for everything and integrate. Our time to value was quite delayed and frequently the opportunities would go past us. So what we've done over the last two years is really build out a platform that Mars can launch different e-commerce value propositions on. We've taken M&Ms as the lead brand, as the lead use case to build what we call a product on top of that platform that we've now launched externally for our consumers. And we are back for Series 3 of Transformation Stories from the award-winning Beltec Cafe. This series, we're talking innovation, commerce, emotive marketing, and career changes. We'll also dip into trends in fintech, digital health, retail, mobility, manufacturing, and speak to CEOs, CDOs, SMEs, and lots of other acronyms too. As always, you can expect gloriously unscripted discussions that shed an open and transparent light on the ebb and flow of our digital world. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. With so many opportunities stemming from the creation of a closer relationship with the customer, it's no wonder that so many brands are embarking on direct-to-consumer or D2C strategies. But it's not enough to just deliver a D2C approach and then to step away. To truly make the direct-to-consumer vision a working reality requires changes at every level of the organization, from technology decisions to organizational structures and indeed mindsets. The D2C ambition requires a long-term outlook. Global brand Mars M&Ms have been working with Valtech to define and build their long-term D2C strategy with encouraging results. So why are they set up for success when so many others are losing their ability to pivot? Well, much of it is down to their recognition of the vitality of being an ecosystem, becoming omnichannel in the strongest sense of the word, where customers can start anywhere, pause anywhere, and resume at any time of their buying journey has been the critical differentiator. In this conversation, I'm joined by Carl Bass, Director, Global Retail and E-Commerce Technology at Mars Wrigley, and Kasper Rasmussen, SVP of Technology here at Valtech and President of the Mac Alliance, to talk about the complexity of Mars's own D2C transformation, as well as the common challenges and pitfalls brands should seek to avoid as they embark on their own journey. So Kyle and Kasper, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. I always like to start with introductions. So, Carl, let's begin with you. Tell us more about you, your experience, and indeed your current role at Mars. Sure. Um, So, Kyle Bars, I have been with Mars for almost 23 years now, the vast majority of that all within the e-commerce and retail space. Um, I started uh, my career as a as a developer in the early days back in 2000, and then have had a, a series of progressively expanding roles since then. Um, currently, I look after uh, direct-to-consumer and physical retail for the Mars Wrigley segment, the biggest brand that we have within the Mars, Mars Wrigley segment that has um, has direct-to-consumer and retail activity is, of course, M&M's. Um, so I look after M&M's.com, both here in the U.S. and Europe. Uh, and then we have seven uh, M&M's flagship stores. Uh, we have four here in the U.S. We have one in London, one in Berlin, and one in Shanghai, China. And then, of course, I also look after all of the back-end technologies that make all of the magic work behind the scenes. <clears throat> um, a little bit about Mars. Um, Mars has well over 130,000 associates. It is still privately held to this day. Um, very um, 
very much still a principles-led business. We have five different segments. The two biggest ones, of course, are Mars Pet Care with some amazing brands like Pedigree, Sheba, uh, Royal Canin. There's also a big uh, section for vet health uh, where we have VCA and Banfield, amongst some other pet hospitals. Um, and then, of course, the, the segment that I get to work with the most is Mars Wrigley with brands like Snickers and Twix uh, and, of course, uh, Wrigley and, and M&M's. Um, and we also have Mars Food, which has some great brands like Bin's Originals and Dolmio Sauce, etc. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Carl. Great introduction. And Casper, how about you? Yeah, no, thanks for having me, uh, Tessie. My name is Casper Rasmussen. I'm the Global SVP of Technology here at Valtech, and I'm also the president of the Mach Alliance. And what does that mean, you may ask? Well, I'm fairly involved with some of our most strategic clients, and I'm basically a practitioner of Mach, so helping our clients really go through the transformation that Mach is at the core and supporting on both technology strategy, but absolutely also on architecture. So fairly involved in the day-to-day and also super passionate about what Mach really can unlock for these types of businesses. And a regular voice on these podcasts, of course, as well. Indeed. Welcome back and welcome to you, Thank Kyle. You. So let's Thank begin you. the conversation then and open by discussing some of the complexities you were faced with, Kyle, and how you've approached these changes that you knew that you needed to make ultimately. Well, if I rewind a little bit, if I'll rewind about two years when um, when I when we kind of came up on this cadence where we had frequently been replatforming our e-commerce sites every sort of two to three years. And we were starting to experience, again, some fractures in the foundations of our e-commerce platform. And we knew that we needed to move forward with uh, kind of the next steps, right? The next uh, generation of our of our e-commerce foundations. And in parallel to that, we also had a couple other things going on, right? You'll certainly remember two years ago, sort kind of the beginning of the pandemic, beginning of COVID. And as Mars, as were some other CPG companies, we were looking for other direct-to-consumer opportunities, direct-to-consumer value propositions that we could launch. And we were frequently running into challenges where if we were, every time we wanted to launch something or launch something to test, we would have to go kind of build from scratch, if you will, and get approvals for everything and integrate all of those different applications into the backend systems. Uh, so our time to value was uh, was quite delayed, and frequently the opportunities would would uh, go <laughs> would go past us. Um, the other thing that was really happening was from overall from an M and M standpoint, so we had a lot of transformation happening within the M and M's ecosystem or the M and M's brand. Um, where and historically things were operating in silos. We had the M and M's brand team operating in one way. We had M and M's dot com operating in another direction. And M&M's from a physical store standpoint, you know, certainly headed in a different direction. And yet from a consumer's point of view, M&M's was M&M's. And we were, uh, we we took that opportunity to really create the concept of an M&M's ecosystem where the the sum of that uh, ecosystem is greater than its individual components. Uh, And of course, M&M's as a brand was also going through a transformation, right? With the launch of a whole new brand purpose, the launch of... um, of a, of a new character. And of course, you probably have seen in the news, the refreshed characters that have launched. Um, and it was it was really with all of these three factors that we knew we needed to do something different at Mars about e-commerce. 
Um, and of course, we went out and evaluated the different uh, solutions that existed at the time and kind of came to the, the realization that in order to really create the ecosystem that we wanted from an e-commerce standpoint, we would need to build something that was a bit more flexible so we could get out of this cadence of replatforming the site every you know, two to three years. In, in looking at uh, sort of mock versus the different monolithic solutions out there, we, we certainly came to the realization that while it wasn't going to be easy, it would be the, the more difficult route, certainly was going to be the best route for Mars at the end of the day. Uh, and, and so what we've done over the last two years is really build out a platform that Mars can launch different e-commerce value propositions on. Um, and, and so then we've taken M&Ms as the lead brand, as the lead use case to build what we call a product on top of that platform that we've now launched um, externally for our consumers. And really over that time, since you asked about some of the questions of um, what were some of the complexities that we've faced in that journey, um, certainly when we started this journey two years ago, there wasn't the concept per se of the mock alliance. We had a lot of investigation, a lot of our own research and development that we really had to do internally um, in order to develop what our platform would look like. We had to go evaluate all of the different components that make this M&Ms or make this Mars direct-to-consumer platform actually work at the end of the day. And quite frankly, you know, we didn't get it all right in the first uh, the first time around, right? We, we would get a little bit down a certain path and sometimes we had to rewind and, and start over. So we had... And then we, we also had some challenges, certainly around internal gaps in knowledge as well, right? If, if there wasn't much knowledge externally, certainly there was not much knowledge internally. Uh, so we had a lot of learning to do ourselves just in how we would bring this ecosystem to life from a platform standpoint. Thank you for setting that up so brilliantly to get us more into detail in this conversation then around lots of lots of different aspects here. So I'm going to come to you first, Casper, on that. As well as your role here at Valtech, we mentioned that you're also the president of the Mac Alliance. And I enjoyed in the introduction, there was a slight pause after you said president and then came to Mac Alliance. So we left, left us hanging there on president, president. Um, but this must be a very common situation that a lot of brands find themselves in, not knowing how to approach that or even if it makes sense for them. It, it absolutely is. And I think you said it quite well, Kyle. It is hard. And no one has ever stated that it should be easy. Right. This is definitely an investment in the future when brands and companies like yourself go down this type of a transformation to exactly avoid those replatforms that are hindering progress in the future. And some of the typical situations that we see brands and businesses within is exactly this notion that Mach is more than tech. Right. It involves teams, it involves skills, it involves evaluations, it involves planning and time to value. Some of the statements that you mentioned along the way there too. And it also means that there is a really good spot for both companies like Valtech really being that trusted advisor and that trusted partner to companies like yourself and kind of being the helping hand as you progress through the journey to help you kind of avoid some of the pitfalls that do exist in these types of transformations, but also for the Mach Alliance. Because specifically, you mentioned the evaluations part, right? And Going in as a brand and needing to compose your own solution, it also means you need to figure out what the right choices are for the type of tech that you want to partner up with. 
And that's where the Mach Alliance does a bit of the, the grunt work and some of the, the hard work for you now, which is something that clearly is important for the Mach Alliance itself as an organization, its authority, its credibility, but it's also of a ton of value for actual brands like yourself. So I'm really happy to hear, proud to hear, to be honest, that this type of ev- an evaluation also makes that journey much simpler for companies like yourself. Yeah. yeah. So Carl, let's put it into pr- practice then and uh, and talk more specifically around the situation at Mars. Can you take us through those initial steps that you then took at the inception of this project? Yeah, sure. So uh, again, kind of going back a year and a half, two years ago, um, of course, it was first evaluated on replacing a platform just for the dot-com side, right? Just for the digital business. Um, and in its with with its merits just being based upon eva- um, uh, just replacing or putting in a platform just for the dot-com side, the complexity, quite frankly, probably wouldn't have been worth it. We really had to think beyond just dot-com. We really had to think about what that overall consumer journey looks like uh, across, of course, our dot-com, across how the consumer experiences the brand and the stores, and of course, across how the consumer um, experiences the brand in our own physical M&M stores. And when we started thinking about this more of as uh, of an omni-channel capability that would that would develop or, or bring to life experiences beyond .com, particularly into our own stores as well, that's where we really realized that we needed more of the composable architecture, something that we could take and and bring the experiences, bring the brand to life online, and certainly bring the brand to life uh, in our own stores through the different uh, consumer touch points that we have. Uh, And and so that that was really the first step, is helping stakeholders understand that, again, not only is this a dot .com project, but this is something where we're going to amplify the consumer experience across a variety of different touch points to bring this ecosystem to life, to create that quote-unquote connected ecosystem. Um, I think the other thing was uh, really getting consumers or getting our stakeholders on board really to to Casper's point, right? Talking about, yes, it's going to be complex, uh, but yes, it is the right journey for us to go on uh, as an organization. Uh, And when those tough choices came about that we really, we still needed to keep the eye on the ultimate prize, if you will, at the end of the day of what we're trying to create, because again, to the conversation, it certainly certainly wasn't easy. There were certainly difficult choices and certainly some mistakes were made along the way. And we really needed to have the stakeholders sponsorship in order to keep the journey, keep the, keep the vision alive uh, as we went along the journey. Casper, this level of complexity, as we've said before, is commonplace within many of the brands that we already work with. And, and Carl has just mentioned the mindset shift there that's required to actually make that change happen, make that a reality. What's your view on the best way to approach that whilst also maintaining the momentum of the program? You don't want there to be that analysis paralysis just before you start start something here. No, for sure not. Like one of the things that we collectively uh, between Valtech and, and Mars found common ground on was what was this notion of time to value, right? Really centering ourselves around unlocking value fast for the business, because ultimately that's a flywheel effect. It's kind of propelling us forward as a program itself. So for instance, one of the very tangible ways we did that was we actually recognized the fact that these types of architectures are evolving. They're not static by any means. 
you can start the architecture from any place and then you can build it up and let it grow along the way. And we let that happen because we wanted to find value in steps. So we found those business opportunities that really mattered to M&Ms and then we set up an architecture accordingly. We didn't do that without losing any sight to the actual 2B architecture. Like we had that top of mind constantly, but we found our way to progressively introduce architectural components along the way as we saw opportunity in the market. So really simplifying the place to start, finding our path and letting the architecture evolve with us was super, super important because it also allowed both technology and business to be hand in hand and really orient themselves around this notion of time to value. Then specifically, there are also some practices. We talked about the people component or the people element to this. Just acknowledging that there are no perfect organizations out there, right? There is always a skill. There is always a practices gap present. And you need to go into it with eyes wide open to exactly that. You need to understand where are some of those potential limitations, where are some of those potential pitfalls that you can come into if you're not aware And one of the the realizations that I know Kyle and I had along the way is really, of course, when you're talking about Mark, you're also talking about cloud computing. When you're talking about cloud computing, you're talking about infrastructure. That means DevOps as a practice is insanely important as you're going into these types of transformations. And just recognizing that that also means your, your, your engineers and your developers need to carry their cloud and their infrastructure acumen into the work is super important too. So really be open-eyed about some of those potential practices that are prerequisites and kind of that underpins the type of architecture that you're working with here. And if there are any gaps, then it should not hold you back. Like, don't be scared about it. Just acknowledge it. Work with it as a fact so you know exactly what you need to steer with in mind. So specifically, this notion of time to value orient and organize your teams around that and then eyes wide open because nobody's perfect in this world there are always things that you need to acknowledge could be improved and that you need to work with in mind i would say those are some of the the typical complexities count now that you've launched what are your reflections and takeaways from the last few months of work has it been what you expected could you have imagined what's happened and how how things happened Yeah. So I think uh, I love what Castro was just talking about in terms of, of DevOps, right? It has certainly brought a tremendous element of maturity to our engineering practices internally. Uh, and it's something that we will continue to build muscle around, continue to build momentum around as we now get into our sort of regular cadence of of um, launching things into production every every two weeks at this point with expectations that we get even even faster in our ability to um, to release features, release capabilities into our production ecosystem. Um, if I think a little bit about the journey, certainly some of the some of the steps that we've taken in that journey that we've um, that we have been through in the last uh, year, year and a half or so, as we've moved from our legacy application into the state that we're in today, we went through a couple of key phases in order to get to this point that we're at. Um, one was taking some of the new technology that exists out there for sort of compute at edge, better content distribution capabilities to take a big problem that we had, which was around just quite, quite frankly, very basics of load, load and performance of our website. And we were able to take some of these more modern mock key 
tools, more modern mock uh, providers out there and put that in front of our legacy stack and actually help have it accelerate what our um, what our previous monolithic experience was. Uh, so it started to show and demonstrate value even very early in the process before we were before we even had it fully uh, completed. Similarly, there is a very key component of our website of the overall consumer experience and that you can personalize M&Ms, of course. You can say what colors you want. You can upload images and provide text and clip art that you ultimately want printed on the M&Ms. Um, and that, that piece of the experience, of course, is incredibly critical to the overall consumer journey. And what we managed to do was rewrite that experience, the, the at least the front-end UX part of it, and plug that into our old monolithic stack and start to get feedback from the consumer early before we move that into the final version of what we just recently launched. Uh, and that early feedback really helped us to start making some early you know, changes and, and iterations on that consumer uh, consumer journey through their M&M's design process, uh, and then ultimately helping us to, to even launch a better experience at the end of the day. Uh, and again, we were able to show business value, right, with improvements in conversion rates and improvements in uh, average average order size with the launch of the, the new configurator. So again, kind of yes, great technology capabilities, great uh, you know, good good solid architecture decisions, but ultimately looking at what the business value is that we are demonstrating throughout that journey. Um, and then. Before we went and fully launched externally to the consumer, sort of back in uh, the December timeframe into into January, we were able to use some of the the scale of Mars across US and Europe and really tap into our internal associate base. And we did an internal beta launch of the new experience and allowed our, our most vocal yet most forgiving consumers to provide feedback to us on their experience end to end and give us confidence that when we launch externally to the consumer that everything was going to work at the end of the day. Uh, so that was definitely another another big milestone. While it wasn't quite you know, fully launched externally to the consumer, um, having some some good strong feedback from our internal customers was was great. Um, and then finally, really just over the last uh, two months or so, we <clears throat> we just kind of split apart. U.S. and Europe, if you will, and instead of going big bang, launch everything to the consumers all at once, we took very, very much a methodical and phased go live approach to help manage risk, and we launched externally to our consumers in Europe. And once that got stable, and we were confident with how that's performing, we were able to do similarly for the U.S. and launched here. And it's Tizzy, if I may, because it's super amazing to hear, right? Like we've been so involved in this and sometimes you kind of forget because you don't see the forest, which is trees. But you can just almost imagine yeah. <laughs> like that architecture, how it started out super simple with a bit of compute at edge to kind of enable some of the progressive rollout of experiences over time. Yeah. Tackle one of the most revenue generating experiences out there, the configurator, this notion of design your own. And then basically the architecture got extended and evolved from there that is amazing that you can do that these days right like imagine the alternative which would have been okay super heavy-handed very monolithic approach you need to go through a very very high risk process of basically remembering all of the caveats of that business before anything makes it to market and you hope for the best 
I love this because it's really showing this notion of an evolving architecture in action, right? So I'm super grateful for having been part of it. And, and certainly, I would say if I had if I had one opportunity to rewind and and do different steps again, it, it probably would have been what what further could we have even done to go live more iteratively with different features and functionality um, before we got to the point of the big external launch in the last couple of months. Again, really just to give us more confidence. And even honestly, uh, while while we were able to show great consumer value externally and the business results certainly came through as well, it also gives us the, the knowledge on how to actually manage these platforms. Um, that's probably the biggest part of the learning is how, how does it all work and being able to log into the different applications and, and uh, understand how it's performing and how we need to monitor it. And the more you can do that iteratively, certainly the better you're able to manage risk. One of the other really interesting things that you mentioned there, Kyle, is that often people forget that this is a business discussion and it becomes something that is very much grounded in a technology discussion. And I'm wondering from your perspective, Casper, how much easier is it now when you're talking to brands or people who are considering this approach to talk about it in the sense of business value rather than just a tech discussion? Because I think sometimes people are intimidated by the technical requirement that comes from something like this. But if you position it in business terms, it becomes a a much more understandable concept. It is certainly easier, right? Because there is a industry-wide recognition that there is value to this type of an approach. So the proof is in the pudding, and it has been proven by brands, and the types of stories that we're telling today is going to make it even easier in the future too. Like some of the value statements that Kyle brought to the table along the way, for instance, this notion of, oh, our experiences is more than the website. We need to think about technology and uh, user journeys in the same way. Like these types of conversations or these types of statements are certainly helping too. So we are starting to really find truly value-creating um, ways to describe MACH. So we don't need to start by basically explaining the acronym in a very technical way, but we can lead the conversation with some of the opportunity that it brings to businesses now when the competition is fierce or more fierce than it's ever been, to be honest. So what's next, Carl? What comes next on the roadmap? Yeah, so a few exciting things. One, of course, we have we've launched externally the consumer, so massive, massive milestone, and and starting to see the business results come through in that launch. Now we want to take the capabilities that we've built with M and M's and start extending that into our own physical stores. So we have um, we have a project that we're actively working on to take the personalization experience that you that you can experience when you go into the M&M store and move that over to the mock stack that we have built. Um, so repurposing, reusing a lot of the components that we built to power M&Ms.com. We're able to pull and port and drive the experience in our own physical stores as well. Um, and really connecting that brand experience uh, into the physical world. And then we want to take components like that and continue to expand there, right? Um, so we have opportunities in how we manage content in our stores. We have a lot of digital displays, of course, and with increasing number of interactive displays that we put into our, our stores that we want to drive through the same technology stack to bring efficiencies, to bring consistency in that experience. 
The other thing that we want to really start tapping into, and there's several conversations actively underway, is bringing that life, bringing that platform to life as Mar uh, within Mars. So we, of course, have built that that platform that we've now launched MMs.com on top of, and we want to start extending that to other brands within Mars to to drive their time to value or what I like to also call the time to differentiation and, and shorten that, right? So, so now the core of what they need to launch a direct-to-consumer proposition has largely already been completed. Um, <clears throat> and they can really, a new brand that wants to launch on a platform can really then focus the majority of their investment and the majority of their time on what makes them unique instead of just focusing on all the foundations. So we want to launch that and we're, we're kind of doing a little bit of a, of a roadshow internally to showcase and demonstrate the value uh, with those other brands coming onto the platform. So lots of very exciting things ahead. Thank you both so much for taking us through that story. It's a really inspirational story, not just of the importance and transformative nature of D2C strategies, but also ways to enable them that give you that long-term outlook for your brand and the opportunities that are connected with that. So thank you both so much for joining me and looking forward to hearing how things progress over the next few months. Of course. Look forward to coming back yeah. and, and telling more of the story. All right. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tizzy. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.